Good morning. It's so wonderful to be here. Uh, I want to discuss a little bit before we begin our topic. I want to discuss a little bit about Hanukkah. So we know the great miracle that happened to the Jewish people is that uh, we had only one after the temple was defiled. We won them. And what, what did we find? We only found one little flask of oil. Flask that should have remained for only one day of the menorah lighting. And there was a miracle that it lasted eight days. And because that's how long it took for them to process new, new oil. It, that's how long it would take for it to get to be ready for them to have it. By the, by the time the ninth day came, they already had fresh oil that was ready to be lit. So there are a couple of questions here. First is, it says that the oil is like every one of us is like oil. So we have to understand what that means. Why do we specifically light with oil? Um, why is the miracle for eight days? It should be for seven days. Because for one day, they already had enough. Right? For one day, they had enough. So the first day wasn't a miracle. It was the other seven days that was a miracle. So why don't we light seven days? Why do we light, why do we light eight days? There are many other questions that could be asked. We're gonna we're gonna approach this from 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 uh, several different. So the first thing is like this: oil and water can never mix, ever. And it says that the Jewish people are like oil. We can never mix as much as we try to immerse ourselves in a secular culture. We will always be the oil that cannot integrate with water and the nations of the world being water. Our job is always to rise to the top and be at the top as an example for the nations. That's our job. Now, it's very interesting that oil has a couple of very interesting components. How do you derive oil from, from olives? You press it. It's an amazing thing. that you know when the Jewish people become fine? When we're pressed, when we're oppressed, when we have expulsions, when we have exterminations, that's when we become our finest. That's when we fight for what's, what's right, and that's when we, we, we go out and, and, and do as much as we can to change, to bring God into this world. That's, it's an amazing thing. If you look at every single time when the Jewish people were at the top, it comes after a huge low comes after you know they get to the to the high after a huge low i mean just think right now we had probably history's worst calamity in the holocaust and yet we find that immediately after the holocaust we have the we have the establishment of the state of israel we have technology and we have wisdom that's being studied in the land of Israel. Uh, you have an unbelievable uh, resurgence of Torah. Right? You, there isn't a generation in history that has more Torah study than ours. It's, it's really quite remarkable. Right? Even if you think of Rabbi Akiva, he had 24,000 students. You have hundreds of thousands of students studying Torah all day, every day. It's re it really is remarkable. But what is this? 
if you, it's very interesting. You know, a president sets the tone of the country's agenda, and a the leading Torah scholars set the agenda for the Jewish people. And it's very interesting that you have something that has been going on in the past 70 years or so, since the establishment of the State of Israel till about 10, 15 years ago. That's when things started shifting. Where there was one focus in the Torah community, and that is the study of Torah only. Torah, 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 Torah. And that's why there was a little bit of a, of a uh, discord between the, the, the Torah-observant community and the non-Torah observant community in Israel regarding uh, going to the army, right? It's not that the rabbis think we should be selfish and not help out. That's not the idea. The idea is that after we had such a calamity of the Holocaust where every yeshiva was destroyed, except for some few, we need to reestablish the Torah. And that was the, what the rabbis were saying. We need to focus on Torah study, focus on Torah study, focus on Torah study. And there will come a time like there is today, you know, the highest influx of uh, soldiers to the army are from the religious community today. Last year was the first year there were the highest number of religious uh, soldiers than anyone, any other category in Israel. And the reason is because the rabbis now say, okay, now it's established. You have Torah in all four corners of the world, right? We have to continue to grow. We have to continue to contribute. You know, my father served in the IDF. Right. Even though he was a yeshiva student, my father served there in 1973. He was there during the Yom Kippur War. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very firm believers. It's very interesting. I don't want to get into this too much, right? But I'll quickly tell you um, something. So everyone here is a Zionist? We, we agree? Okay, everyone's a Zionist? Yeah? Okay, great. Unanimous. So I will show you that we're all anti-Zionists too. Like me? Excuse me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're anti-Zionists. I'll tell you why. And we think, you know, as I'll tell you very interesting. You know, we think there are some, there are some Hasidic uh, groups, sects, that are anti-Zionist. They still are till today. Okay, they haven't updated their files, but it's fine. So let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you why you're an anti-Zionist, okay? Because if you think about what Zionism was back in 1948, Zionism was not what it is today. The Zionism that we have today is that we have democracy, that we have everyone can choose what they want to do. Everyone that wasn't 1948. 1948, they wanted communism, right? You have the kibbutz movement. The kibbutz movement was socialism or communism. I'm not sure what the difference is in at that level. Where you know the parents were separated from their children, right? The 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 adults grew up in adult communities and the children grew up in children communities and that's what it was. You had no choice. Yes, sir. Herzl, yeah. Right, but he had a very clear intention and we see this all the way up till the establishment of the state of Israel and then the f even the first year you had very, very strong anti-religious, anti-Jewish sentiment. You know that Herzl... Correct, correct. And so you, you have, you have a Herzl, you know that he didn't give his children a bris. He made them m marry Christians. Yeah, this is, this is all true, right? He had, a, he, had a, he had a Christmas tree in his house, right? So 
here the the founder which is ironic because here's the founder of Zionism wanted really nothing to do with Jew- Judaism right so that if you look at Satmar that's what they're opposed to they're opposed because originally they did not want Torah study in the land of Israel they wanted it to be a culture of Judaism but not a religion of Judaism not a relationship right so and and over the years, it's it's become very very different. You have Menachem Begin, who was Shomer Shabbos, right? He was the Prime Minister of Israel in the eighties. You have uh, you know Bibi Netanyahu's children, many of them are Shomer Shabbos, right? So it really is it's 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 a unique transformation that's gone on in the state of Israel. That's why there was always this opposition. There are many people in Israel today who don't take any money from the government because they consider it to be impure, right? Because it's the Zionists. Again, they can uh, they can update their files maybe, and see that today Zionism is a different. It's a very different thing, and we're all very very pro-Zionist, right? I I hope, and we're all you know. I I send money to Israel. I have five siblings who live in Jerusalem, right? So, you know, there's no shortage of of pro-Israel. I was I happen to have been born in Jerusalem, right? Uh, so, it, it really is a, a special place, but it wasn't always like that. Hanukkah. It says that. The light of the menorah. It says, "Kiner mitzvah v'torah or." He says, "You want to know what a mitzvah is? A, ner, uh, it's, it, it, a mitzvah is a candle. You know what? You want to know what Torah is? Torah is light. So the candle is light. It's very interesting. We I think we, we we didn't mention this here at this class, but here take, I'm going to take a napkin here. Okay. Now, what happens if I take this napkin and I give it to Bobby? Who has the napkin? You have the napkin, not me. Same thing if I gave you $100 or if I took it and I gave it to you. Who had the $100? You do, not me. And if you pass it on to the next person, the next person has it, not you. But if you take a candle that's lit and you light someone else's candle, so you both have light. It's a very interesting thing. You know that if you do a mitzvah or if you inspire someone else to do the mitzvah, so we think there's a finite amount of reward that God will give in, this, in the world to come. But it's not true. There's an infinite amount of reward. You know, a pyra- pyramid scheme has a limited amount of resources that has to be distributed. Right? So if, let's say the, the, f- through the scheme they made $100, so one will make $10, one will make $5, the next tier will make you know, $2, the next tier will make $1, the next tier will make $0.50, cents, you know, till they get down to everyone gets their, their share. Right? That's the way pyramid schemes work. So if I make a sale, someone else is making on my back some money, the person who signed me up. You know, so you're constantly paying it. Paying it. That, that's not the way it works with the mitzvah. It's not the way it works with inspiration. If someone else does a mitzvah because of you, you get the full 100% reward. And so do they. I think it's almost like, you know, this week's Parsha, we have um, Joseph. Joseph is the favored son of Jacob. So I've had people ask me, do I have any favorite children? I have seven amazing children. Do I have any favorites? I said, of course I have. I have seven favorites, right? Each one is a favorite, right? Each one really is. And I tell each one, you're my favorite child, right? Because they're so unique and different, right? It's not like if you take a, uh, you know, uh, you line up a bunch of oranges. You can say which one is your, you know, which one, which one you like the most, which one has a, you know, the better color, which one has the, fine. But when they're different, when you have an apple and an orange and a pear and and a nectarine and they're all different, so each one could be your favorite, 
Right? They're all different. Our children are all different. Every human being is different. Okay, so. So we have um, Hanukkah. We have the candles that we light. Right? It's an amazing thing that we said the oil is because we're pressed. We're pressed. When we, whenever you press the, the, the olive, that's when the finest oil, and it's the first press, right? It's the boom, it's the first smash, right? That's when you get the, the, get the, the, the purest, the most pristine. It's interesting that it says in, in the book of Numbers, right, in the portion of Baha'u'llah, it says a very amazing thing. It says that when you light the menorah in your temple, the chatzos kachecha, in the in the in the in the halls of your temple, it really is a very interesting statement. It wasn't ours. I mean, it was the temple. The temple was in Jerusalem. The temple was wherever the Jewish people were traveling throughout the, through the desert. But is it? Is it? A, is it is the temple? No, no, no! Please, no worries, no worries. It's great to see you. No worries. No worries. If I remember correctly. No, no worries. If I remember correctly, you learned you learned the Dafyomi, right? Yes. On, uh, amazing. You see, the studies. He studies a daily folio of Talmud. You know what that is? It really is amazing. That's incredible. It's one page of Talmud every day. We start at ten ish. We end at eleven ish. No problem. Sure. About the number of Shomer Shabbos, men and women that are not going into military. God forbid there is a conflict. What happens on Shabbos? They, for, for saving lives, there's no, it, that you can desecrate Shabbos. That's, by the way, not only in the military, that's also in, in law enforcement uh, or emergency. So if someone is part of a emergency volunteer, uh, ambulance. Uh, I am one with here in Houston. We have Hatsala. So if there's a call on Shabbos, you go. Right now, because Houston is very, very spread out. So it's we're soon hopefully going to expand it to the Meyerland area and slowly expand to different areas. But the, the idea is like this. So we have Hanukkah. So it says that you should light the menorah in the in the uh, in the in the chatzot uh, kachecha in the I guess in the area of your of your of your uh, of your dwelling, our sages tell us that our homes, when we light the menorah, becomes the temple. Our home is that becomes the Beta Mikdash. It becomes the temple, and it becomes the place where the Kohen Gadol, right, where the high priest would come and light the menorah. That is each and every one of us when we light the menorah. It's very interesting because in many other places, you know, my grandfather, I will talk about this another time when we talk about marriage and relationships. We'll get to there. My grandfather, when he got married, so 
my grandfather was about 32 years old at the time. And he, yeah, the Holocaust, and he met my, my grandmother. It's a whole amazing story how they met. But finally, he was in Israel at his Sheva Brachot, at, his, at, his, uh, at the seven days of, of, of celebration after the wedding. So one of the great rabbis approached him and said, so tell me, in your home, what is the holiest room in your home? So my grandfather says, what do you mean? Where all my, where all my books are, my library, where I study. No. He said, no, no, no. He says, it's your bedroom. Your bedroom is called the Kodesh HaKodeshim. It's the Holy of Holies. We can explain it a different time why, but this fits into the same exact uh, uh, definition that we're talking about, the, the Hanukkah lights. It makes your whole home into a temple, right? It makes your whole home into a temple. You're now the Kohen Gadol who's lighting. You're the high priest who's lighting this menorah. And now it makes sense that different parts of your home have different values, right? There was an p- area which was called the chatzah, which was the, the yard, right? The, the courtyard. And then you had other parts. That's our home can be defined as a temple. Our sages define it as such. So we have all of these incredible um, ideas with, with regard to Hanukkah. But we have to go back to our original question. Why do we celebrate it? Eight days, not seven days. Right? So the answer our sages tell us is, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start with a different piece of Talmud. The Talmud says that there was one Friday that one of the great sages' daughter went to the marketplace and she bought oil to light for the Shabbos candles. She comes home and she realized she didn't buy oil. She bought vinegar. Slight. Slight uh, difference, right? She didn't buy oil, she bought vinegar. So she says to her father, what am I going to do? It's almost Shabbos. I don't have time to run to the marketplace to get, to get oil, to switch it out for oil. What can I do? I, I, I made a mistake. So he says, don't worry. Light it. He says, Whoever made the miracle that oil should light will make the miracle that vinegar should light. And she lit the vinegar and it lit, just like oil. The miracle that oil itself lights, we take for granted. We take it for granted that oil lights. So even the first day of the one flask they did have was also a miracle. See, the things that we think are ordinary, yeah, that's the way it should be. That itself is a miracle. It's not ordinary. So the first day, lighting the oil of the menorah, that it lasted that first day, that itself was also a miracle. Now that it lasted another seven days, you know, they say today, if you want to modernize the concept of one one day's oil lasting for eight days, imagine if your phone is on 10% and it lasts you for three days, right? (laughs) Without charging. Right? I'm sure you've seen that. You've seen it all. I've, I've gotten so many text messages of this. But that, that's the modern explanation of the miracle, right? If you want to understand, right, you, you only have uh, you know, 1% of, 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 of your gas tank filled, right? And it's, it's already ringing for you to fill up, and you still drive to Austin, and you have no problem, right? And you're not driving a Tesla. So that's, that's understanding that, that there's, there are things that happen. So what, why is... 
this holiday eight days. We said about the why we light seven days plus one. Okay. But why do we light, why is the holiday eight days? So we know the number seven means nature. But the number eight means above nature. Right, we have a bris on the eighth day. Anytime you have the number eight, it's going above nature. It's a very interesting thing. If you want to understand, just we'll, we'll briefly talk about this. Uh, it's quite remarkable that exactly what the Torah tells us matches up with science 100% of the time. So we know that a baby is supposed to have his bris on the eighth day. A baby boy. Why? Because it's what the Torah tells us. On the eighth day, right? It's also showing a sign, again, above nature. It's the eighth day. It's not, it's not normal for a human being to come to this world from really nothing, right? Eight, eight, nine months of gestation, and then we have labor, which in itself is a miracle. And then you have a baby who's living. Once it gets to the eighth day, it's like above nature. But there's something else in the eighth day. It's that it happens to be that medically the highest number of vitamin K in the baby's body, it's at its highest on the eighth day. Vitamin K is the coagulant, right, and which, which stops the bleeding. It's at its highest level of its whole life, by the way, on the eighth day, right? So we could say, wow, what a coincidence. Or we can say, that's incredible. The same creator of heaven and earth is the same writer, author of the Torah, Right? It's not a coincidence. God says, I'm telling you, I'm, I, I have the inside scoop. I, I happen to have created it. You know, I can tell you what works and what doesn't work. So, it, right? so we have that, eight, that number eight concept. What we're like, understanding through Hanukkah is that we are way above nature. The, our very existence is above nature. We, the Jewish people, mankind, the things that we have. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. You know, you know what I have in this cup? What do I have? No, what do I have in it? Coffee, right? You take some powder and it makes, it makes coffee. Or you take whatever it is, the beans, and they grind it up. And, and what's if you take different beans? You'll have a different flavor. Why? Who said that these beans should have one flavor and those beans should have a different flavor? And you look at flowers and why should one seed have one type of flower grow from it and another seed have a different type of flower from it? I mean, we, we take it for granted because we say, yeah, what do you mean? I went to Lowe's or to, to, to Home Depot or to the, to, to the nursery and I bought the, you know, some, some seeds and boom, it's roses. So it grows roses. And I, this one is tulips. So it grows tulips. Really? Why does that make sense to anyone? So even the ordinary is a miracle. And that's what we're trying to understand on Hanukkah. We're trying to recognize that there is no such thing as ordinary anymore. Our very existence is a miracle. The fact that oil lights, even for one second, is also a miracle. There's no such thing as just ordinary. You know, the way our body functions so perfectly is a miracle. So we have a blessing for that. We have a blessing every time we use the restroom. There is a blessing that we say after. That, that, that is probably the most incredible blessing we have. That we're saying, that God created man with incredible wisdom. God created many 
pores and, and holes in our body. You know how many holes we have in our body? Oh, think of how many pores you have. Millions. We have, we have open, uh, we have the, the esophagus, we have the, 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 uh, the, the trachea, right? We have all of these different parts of our body. Some are closed. They're waiting for food to go, th- go through, and it squeezes it and gets it to where it needs to go. Like, you know, those ices, you know those ices, you squeeze the, the plastic. That's the, way our, that's the way our esophagus works, right? But then you also have your breathing that has to stay open. It's actually designed in a special way that it can't really, it can't really, it's like a, a it's flat, and then it's like that. So it can't really close. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. It's perfect. We have hollowed, we have some organs that are hollow. They better not be full, right? We have a bladder. We have others, our intestines. Those are not supposed to be filled. Then we have the liver. The liver is, is packed, right? Very interesting. And what's if they were the opposite? We wouldn't be able to function. And what's if, what's if all of our fluids seeped out of our, our holes that we have in our hands? We wouldn't be able to exist. We have chalulim, chalulim, right? We have all of these different parts of our body that function so perfectly. Galui v'yadu'a l'fnech is clear. And, and, and open to your holy throne, if one of them opens up inappropriately, the one closes inappropriately, we cannot stand for even one moment. Right? That's the blessing we say every time we go to the bathroom. It's an unbelievable blessing to remind us there is no ordinary. It's very easy to get into a state of mind where we think, yeah, just works. <laughs> it's amazing, right? Or, or this mother nature. Evolution, right? If we want to be intellectually honest, right? And I love asking doctors. I don't know if I mentioned this previously. One of my pet peeves is asking doctors about their profession, about what they understand and what they don't understand, and does any of it make sense? So I had last week, I had a physical therapist in my house. Right? We have, thank God, a lot of people come on Shabbos and people coming and going. So I, so I ask him, I tell him, tell me, is there any wisdom in the world that can, that can decipher how every bone fits with one with the other? You think of the spine, how perfect it is with every single uh, you know, vertebrae being exactly at the right distance from one another with the right cushioning. What do they call that? I don't know what they call it. There's a, there's a cushion between each one of What's that? Well, not the discs. There's, there's the between them. The cartilage. Okay, thank you. Right, you have the cartilage is perfect between each one. It's an amazing thing. We can bend back, we can bend forward, we can bend forward more than we can bend backwards, hopefully, right? Um, and we can, we can, there are many, it's like our, 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 um, all of our joints, they work differently. One, some can turn in, you know, it, it really is, it's amazing. It's so perfect. And he was, t- uh, you know, I was, I was asking him, like I do with all doctors, ask them, uh, you know, about the eyes. We mentioned last week about the eye, right? The, the, there's 70 nerves to the eyes. That's why it's called ayin. Ayin is the number 70, right? It's the numerical value of 70. There's no random. Everything in Torah makes perfect sense. We just have to understand it. So there's another aspect of menorah I want to talk about. And that is that it's the only mitzvah, it's the only mitzvah that we put by our front door or our window. We don't see you put the matzah by your front window. 
right? We don't uh, put our, our Megillah on Purim, uh, right, at the front window. We don't put our Lula Venetrog and hang it up outside, right, in, fr- in front of... W- w- it's, the, it's the oddest mitzvah. Right, it's on the doorpost, but it's not. If you don't, here is a special mitzvah on Hanukkah of Pirsumeni say publicizing the miracle. What? We had greater miracles than Hanukkah. We had we had Pesach, right? We we were slaves for two hundred and ten years. We had nothing, and we come out rich people, right? We came out. It says that each person came out with ninety donkeys, filled with riches. Each person, right? All from the Egyptians, right? It's, it's, it's okay. You know that the, a few years ago, the Egyptian government filed a lawsuit against the, the state of Israel for all of the riches we stole, so to speak, from them back at the Exodus. So Israel, Israel sent them back a bill for 210 years of slavery plus interest. They said, okay, fine. So, on both sides, right. So, it, 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 it really is, it's an unbelievable thing that specifically by Hanukkah, while we had miracles all, every holiday celebrating different miracles, over here we're going to place it outside. We're going to show it to the world. And it's a special mitzvah. You know from what time? From when, when sunset hits. So tonight sunset will be at, I'll tell you at, we actually wait 13 minutes after sunset, but um, 5.27. So at 5.40 today, we light. 5.40 today, we light. And every day the, for the next eight days, we'll light at 5.40, 5.42. gets a little later. Till when do we, li- do we keep the, the menorah lit? Well, it says, till 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 people stop walking in the marketplace. means if you already have no more cars passing outside at 9 o'clock at night, that's already the time that the the menorah does not need to stay lit. Now, many of us have candles. Candles last about a half hour, 45 minutes, right? But if you have oil, how much oil do you have to put in? Well, yeah, I I fill up my cup. I want it to, to last again because we said that lighting the menorah is like lighting the menorah in the temple. So I want the menorah to light as long as possible. I would love to wake up in the morning and see my menorah still lit, right? It doesn't happen, but, <laughs> but I would love to. But you want to have that light. We'll talk about something else, about looking at the menorah in one minute. But, um, but you have, it's an incredible thing that we have a special mitzvah to place the menorah. You don't keep it inside for yourself, but you put it out by the window. Yes? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I do that at, actually at the Torch Center. Um, I do that because it, also because of danger, because there are many people coming and going. I don't want to take take any risks. Yes. That's correct. Right. That is correct. I I, I have that uh, as well. 
Um, they they sell them here. I mean, not in maybe in Houston they might have it at the at the, at the Judaica store. But the the yeah, it's a glass container that has openings on top so that it can breathe. The right and basically you you open up the glass in the back of it. It's like a glass door. You light your menorah and then you close it, and that way it can last also in the wind, and it can stay outside and it's it's safer. But either way, what was the challenge the Jewish people were facing with the Greeks? Assimilation. Assimilation. But there was something else. There was something else. Is that they were hiding from their own Judaism. You see, when we hide from our own Judaism, essentially what we're saying is that I'm not so proud to be Jewish. You know, I'm hiding, I'm shying away. You know, it's like... You know, some people feel that if they wear their yarmulke, if they wear their, their, their Judaism on their sleeve, and people might judge them, they might act to them in, 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 in an odd way, they might uh, call them names. It's funny, when I drove down from, from New York when we moved uh, 15 years ago, so my mother-in-law, she comes from, she grew up in Washington Heights. Um, she grew up in a, in a different generation where, where um, it was, uh, you know, a, a, anti-Semitism, her father's a survivor, right? So she grew up with this whole idea that anti-Semitism is like, you know, it's rampant and it's all over the place. So she says, do me a favor. When you get to like a gas station, like wear a cap or something so nobody can know that you're Jewish. Like just because anti-Semitism in the South, uh, turns out, right, I have, I have, I literally have not had one experience of anti-Semitism in all of my 15 years in Houston. Right or anywhere in the South. What about Biter? Have you been to Biter? No, I haven't been there. But I would, I would happily and proudly walk around. I would happily walk around with my tzitzis <laughs> hanging out and with my yarmulke on my head, very, very proudly, and with my firearm on my hip. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so. Do you know do you know that there's a special mitzvah that when we give charity we prioritize to Jewish institutions? But the halacha says that we should give to non Jewish institutions for the sake of peace. So that they see that we don't only take, we give. And if you look today, it's an amazing, remarkable thing. Look at museums, look at hospitals, you'll see Jewish names everywhere. It really is remarkable. That's our responsibility, and I'll tell you why. We learned that from the Hanukkah menorah. The menorah we place specifically by our, win- by our windows because we're saying we're not going to shy away from our responsibility. We're going to wear that Judaism with pride. We're going to wear it on our sleeves. We're going to put it by our front window. We're not going to hide our Judaism. We're going to recognize that, you know what, we are to be a light to the nations. That's our job, to be a light to the nations. So when people ask what morals and ethics are to be, they should say, look at the Jewish people. That's what they should say. 
And we should be an example for it. What honesty is, what proper business conduct is, what ethics are, what you know, how how we how we treat our fellow human being. It's an it's a, it's an amazing thing. That if you have in Iran a an earthquake, you know who the first country is to volunteer? Israel. I don't understand. I really don't. You know, Israel, Iran wakes up every morning. You know what they say? Death to Israel. Right? That's the way they wake up. We say, Moda'ani, thank you, Hashem, for giving us life. They say, God, make this the day that we wipe Israel off the map. And, so, okay, so it's only the leaders. Fine. And what do you think they say in Saudi Arabia? And what do you think they say in Kuwait and in Qatar and all those other places? What do you we can't be blind. We know that every single one of those nations has arrows and missiles and tanks aiming towards Jerusalem, aiming towards our homeland. And yet, when they have a trouble, we're the first to say, hey, oh, did, did someone say earthquake? We're ready to help, right? We're ready to help. Are we crazy? No. We're an example for the world. That's our job. Our job is to be an example for the nations. And it's an amazing thing. You know, I have people stop me all the time. You know, sometimes I, 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 my wife, it'll be like a Thursday night, my wife say, you know, Oy, I forgot to add one more thing to the shopping list. Can you just run out? And the only place that's open is Walmart. So I'll run to Walmart. There's one not far from my house, a neighborhood Walmart. So it's a big grocery store if, you, if you're not familiar. And I'll run, and it's not always the best neighborhood to hang out in. So I'm there, and I see with the corner of my eye this guy's big guy in a tank top, tattooed top to bottom, and I'm like, just n no eye contact. I'm just like continuing to go down the aisle. The guy stops, says, "Excuse me." I'm like, "Yeah." I'm looking up, and he says, "You Jewish?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> Take my money. I don't know what you want from me. And he says to me, "What are those strings?" I explained to him what the tzitzis are. I said, it's a commandment in the Torah. The Torah says that any four-cornered garment, Shev says, God bless Jewish people. Right? God bless you. Right? And it, it, it really is, it's, it's, it's remarkable. There are times that people come to me and they say to me, I don't understand why Jews run away from being a light to the nations. We try to assimilate and try to run away from that responsibility. It's like imagine you're the captain of the team. You say, you know what? I don't want to act as the captain. Why not? That's your job. Right? That's our responsibility. When we're not successful as Jewish people is when we run away from that responsibility. On Hanukkah, what we're saying is we're relighting, reaffirming that task. We're putting it right by our front window, and we're going to be proud. We're not going to hide it. We want our neighbors to see it. We want our friends to see it. But there's something else also. Like we mentioned earlier, light doesn't it doesn't distinguish when you share it with others. It only expands when you show it to others. When you shine your light to other people, now you're lighting their light. And that light will hopefully inspire others. We have unbelievable powers, unbelievable abilities that we can on Hanukkah. So I want to share with you, I don't know how much time, we still have some time. Okay, so I want to share with you another idea about Hanukkah. The, the same verses we mentioned earlier that you should light, that you light in your courtyard of your holy places, which is obviously now we understand our homes. It also says, you should see the light of your menorah. 
You should see, look at the light of your, of your menorah. It's a very interesting halacha. Okay, it says in, in, in Jewish law that you're not supposed to benefit from the light of the Hanukkah menorah. Okay? So, tonight, at 5.40, you light the menorah, you sing your Hanukkah songs, you have your lights off so that your light, it can shine out. And then, take a few minutes by yourself and just sit and look at the menorah. Sit and gaze at the menorah. And it says that the holiness of the menorah purifies your eyes. It purifies your eyes. It really is an incredible and remarkable mitzvah. Right? You're not allowed to enjoy from the menorah. That means if you have to read, you want to read the paper. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting by the menorah's light. Let me at least read the paper. So you open up the Houston Chronicle and you're trying to, you don't have light because you turned off the light so that your menorah can shine. And now you can't use the light of the menorah. You can't use it for anything. You're not supposed to use the light of menorah. It's, you cannot benefit, right. You cannot benefit. Yeah, Shabbos light you can. That's correct. The Shabbos light, no problem. Absolutely. Where do you think, uh, you know, you go to a, a, a restaurant, a nice restaurant, you have a romantic dinner, they have a candle. Where do you think they got it from? From the Shabbos candles. Right? That's where it comes from. Right? We, we brought this idea of bringing romance to our table, to our dinner table. Right? But you have, you have an amazing gift of these menorahs that it says it purifies our eyes. And uh, just as a side note, okay, I don't think there's a generation that needs more purification of the eyes than ours. Right? If you think about what goes on on television, what goes on in movies, what goes on in... It, it is absolutely reprehensible that you have such depravity and such uh, um, low, I guess, lowliness on, on online, on, on YouTube. I mean, it, it really is crazy. Right? We need to purify ourselves. This is, this is what our sages tell us. So we, very interesting words that we say after we light the menorah. We don't have any rights and any permission to use these lights to our benefit. Only to gaze upon them. We use the light of the menorah only to look at them. And you sit for a few minutes and just enjoy the beautiful, pristine light of the menorah. There's uh, two other things I want to share here. Number one is that what is fire? Aish. Fire is the only thing in this world that is also physical and also spiritual. You see this right here. I pick this up. What happens if I drop it? Is it going to stay where it is? Is it going to go up? No, it's going to go down. Right? Fire is the only thing because it's physical. I take these keys. What's going to happen? I leave go of it. It drops. Right? A balloon has helium, but eventually it drops, okay? You take fire, fire goes up. Now, fire is spiritual because I can put my hands, I'm sure we've all done this, even though our parents told us not to, right? You have a fire and a candle, and you put your finger through it, and it's no problem. Look at that. It's spiritual. It's not actually physical. But if it, it's physical because if you leave your hand there, you feel it's burning you. 
So it's physical and spiritual combined. That's why we light the Shabbos candles. We start Shabbos with the Shabbos candles. Because what is the days of the week? It says, Sheshit Yamim Tavod, the six days of the week are days for us to work and toil and non-stop, be active, physical things. We try to earn a living, we try to... Shabbos? Shabbos is a day of spirituality. Shabbos is a day that we take all of the physical and we elevate it. So what do we use to create that? Candles. Because candles takes a physical and makes it spiritual. It lifts it up. So all of our physical activities that we do, my kids ask me on Shabbos sometimes, they ask me, um, uh, who, who are the Texans playing on Sunday? You know what I answered them? The Texans don't play anyone on Shabbos. Right? There's no such thing as football on Shabbos. On Shabbos, I don't deal with the weekday activities. I, I know. Right? <laughs> but after Shabbos, I said, guess what? They actually played. Right? And they won. But, um, but I, you know, uh, where are we going this week? On vacation, right? We don't go anywhere on Shabbos. I don't, you don't talk about it. You know why? Because the, the Talmud tells us that if you plan on Shabbos, it doesn't work out. Because Shabbos is a time of rest. It's a time of menucha. It's a time where you don't stress about details. You don't stress about anything. If you plan on Shabbos, it's likely not going to work out. Yes? The Chanukiah? Well, there's many different... Right. You can call it Hanukkiah, you can call it a menorah. Hanukkiah is a little bit more modern, yeah. but menorah is the original. Uh, the original. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a problem. It's not a. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, it's just a modern way. It's like you, you, there, there are m many ways you can say, uh, you know, and various different words. There, you know, you have. Uh, it's fine. It's a diff it's it's more it's more of the modern Israeli way they say it, the Hanukkiah, but it's fine. So so every, everything that we will learn in the coming years together, we will see that th I I the I everything could be used for good and it could be used for bad. <coughs> everything. It, it really is remarkable. Food. Food could be used for very good. It can also be used for very bad. Right? You eat too much. Right? I'll give you... Like, my, my, my weak spot is barbecue potato chips. Okay, I love barbecue potato chips. There's no such thing as taking one chip. There's no such thing. You get, you get immersed in that bag. But we all know that you finish the bag, you feel like uh, you have like a, a brick in your stomach, right? You, you, feel, you feel horrible because there's, there's, you know, it's just, it really is not, it's not pleasant. So there needs to be balance, right? Fire needs to be balanced as well. Yeah, and if you, if you throw your, your cigarette butt in the, into, a, into dry land, You'll burn the whole place up. That's that's correct. 
that's why you have to have forest management, right? That's why they do it. They do it. They do it intentionally. You know, I was when I was in Yellowstone National Park. Uh, what was it? Uh, maybe 17, 18 years ago. There were huge areas of of land that were burnt intentionally. They were intentionally burnt because, you know. It, I don't exactly know how they do it, but they, 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 or why they did it, but they did it, you know, um, what's that? Controlled. Controlled burning, correct. So now, okay, so now I want to share with you something personal, though, okay? And, but just so we can finish this idea, and we'll end off with that. So Hanukkah is taking, you know, it's a very interesting thing that we have holidays, Pesach, 50 days later we have Shavuot, then we have other, you know, Tisha B'Av, the 9th of Av. Then we have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. And then we have a six-month stretch between Sukkot and Pesach. And there are two rabbinic holidays that are placed in the middle, Hanukkah and Purim. It really is amazing. Why are they placed exactly where they're placed? So it also happens to be that on the 25th day of Kislev, which is tonight, tomorrow, was the day that the temple was finished being built. It was ready. All of its pieces, everything was ready to go. And this is the commemoration. It's where it says in the Torah, sort of a hint in the Torah of Hanukkah, because it was this day that the menorah in the temple was ready to be lit. It wasn't lit till the 1st of Nisan, which is several months down the road. But it was ready. Everything was ready on this day. But our sages tell us that to go six months without a holiday is a very long time. What's the purpose of a holiday? It's to re-energize us, to reinvigorate our, our faith, our connection. And we don't have anything. So we have Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a time where we reaffirm our faith. We reaffirm our connection with God. You know, in Judaism... We, there's no mitzvah in the Torah to believe in God. There's only a mitzvah to know God, to have knowledge, to believe, which, by the way, my wife and I are doing a program for our young adults. We're taking a leap of faith, and we're going to go skydiving. Right? So, I'm, I, so I'll, t- I'll tell you. So... I'm I'm not a I'm not a daredevil. My wife is okay. She she does the bungee jumping and she does all that crazy stuff and she loves it. She's like a thrill seeker. She'll go on any. There's no such thing as a roller coaster that that's too much for her. I mean, she'll do it and she'll turn around and no problem for me. A Ferris wheel. I'm terrified. Okay, I'm, I'm, it's not for me. Even an escalator is a little bit too much for me. Right. So, um, but it, it really is so. She said one year, she says, for our anniversary, I don't want you to buy me anything. I want you to go skydiving with me. I said, fine, fine, I'll go skydiving. But only if my rabbi says that it's okay. Because the Torah tells us, you cannot put yourself in danger. You, you got to have to watch over your body. It's in Deuteronomy. So I was hoping my rabbi would say, you know what, it's danger and this and that. I called my rabbi, he says, nah, it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so rabbi shopping, right? So... Now, I said, it's not a problem. He said, go, enjoy. I'm like, enjoy? That's already pushing it, right? So I said, I'll go. I'll survive. So we went. My wife bought the thing. 
we went, we're all harnessed up, we're ready to go, and then we see our names on the board, and I go, and I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm just going to do it, I'm going to be a big boy, it's my, my wife's anniversary gift, this is what she wants, we'll do it. We get to the runway, getting on the plane, and the engine goes off, and they're like, we have a problem with the plane, no more. I'm like, yes! <laughs> right? So we never actually did it, right? And my wife's like, I can't believe this, whatever, okay. So either way, I was... I. I'm like, this is terrible, I can't, I can, uh, exactly, you know, so either way, so my wife wants now, she has a rain check, no, she has a rain check, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, we'll do this, we'll do it for, with our young adults, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun, I'm sure, but the idea is like this, in Judaism, there's no such thing as a leap of faith, there is no such thing as a leap of faith, right, in Judaism, it goes by knowledge of the Almighty, when we look at our body, and we see how it functions, and we're not idiots right and we just really study it it's like it's it, it's it's unbelievable you cannot understand how a human being functions without believing and in, in with a clear knowledge that there is a creator it is impossible you know what so when i was doing my study for the emt course that was the one area i started crying i, I was i'm sitting over there with my books I'm listening to a lecture on, on the computer and I started crying, right? Because they're talking about the respiratory system. They're talking about how your blood gets pumped. It, it, it's just like, so you know, we have oxygen, oxygenated blood and we have deoxygenated blood, right? The blood goes to all of our extremities, right? To our brain, to our toes, to our, to our skin. It goes, it becomes, it's oxygenated through our lungs. And then it gets sent back, deoxygenated. That's the blue that you see. The blue is deoxygenated. The red is going to, and the blue is coming from. Just a little course on our, right? So, how does that work? How does that work that there's an exchange in the alveoli of our deoxygenated with air that we breathe that's now oxygenating it? And it, wor it just uh, works. You know how many times it works a day? 67,000 times a day. Okay? It's unbelievable. And you know what? We don't even know it. We just breathe. And we're just like, if we have an issue, we're like, doctor, what's the matter? What's the matter? You have a billion things that need to go right for you to be able to breathe. They have to be functioning in total synchronicity with total perfection. It's unbelievable, the gift of life. So we have knowledge of the Almighty. We look at things that go on in the world, knowledge of the Almighty. We have to have knowledge. We don't have a leap of faith. That's other religions have a leap of faith. We don't use, we're the only religion that does not use fear. And we are the only ones who push people away when they say they want to come to Judaism. In Christianity... If you believe in our Lord and Savior, right, then you'll get, you'll get heaven. Otherwise, what are you? Eternal damnation. Eternal damnation, right? Gone, right? You're going to burn in hell, right? That's the other religions. They have to terrify you. What do we say? We say, no, 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 no. You don't have to be Jewish. Why, why would you convert? You can be of the nations of the world, and you can be righteous. And you don't need to come to Judaism to be righteous, you don't need to be a Jew that has 613 commandments. You can just accept seven commandments and you're perfect. What's the problem? 
So someone comes and says they want to they they convert? Why convert? You can get, it, get away with seven. Why with 613? Why, why do you need the whole burden of all the commandments? You don't have to keep Shabbos if, you're, if, you're, if uh, someone who's non-Jewish. Right? They don't have, they don't have to, 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 to limit themselves to all the mitzvahs. It's not a limitation. It happens to be it's, it's, a, it's a freedom. When we understand all the mitzvahs, we'll see how it's, it really is an amazing gift of freedom. But you have knowledge of the Almighty. Islam, by the way, Islam, if you believe in, 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 in their faith, right, then no problem. You'll get uh, whatever, however many virgins you get up in heaven, right, whatever, whatever they have in their thing. But if you don't believe, you're an infidel. You, they will put you to death. In Judaism, we don't have such a thing. We don't have such a thing. On the contrary, right, there's no leap of faith. By the way, it's the only religion that every other religion believes in too. That means Muslims and Christians both believe in the Torah. But no one believes in the Christian Bible except for the Christians. No one believes in the Quran except for the Muslims. But everyone agrees with the Torah. Okay, everyone says, oh, well, the Jewish people sin, so they're no longer the chosen people. So we're the chosen people. It's like, imagine this, like Muhammad, right? Muhammad had a dream where he says God spoke to him and he said the Jewish people are no longer the chosen people, so, I, so we are. So let me ask you a question. If two siblings who are fighting over the father's inheritance, right? So one brother wakes up in the morning. He says, uh, it's all my money, right? All the 400 million that dad left over is for me. He says, what, what do you mean it's for you? He says, yeah, I had a dream last night. Dad came to me in a dream. He said, it's all yours. So what does the brother say? That's a little stupid. If dad wanted you to get it, he would come to me in the dream and tell me to give it to you. He'd come to you in the dream, for right? So... God came to Muhammad to tell him, you're the child. That's crazy. And there's no proof to it. There's no proof to it. Right? Muhammad had a dream. Believe it or you're dead. Right? Uh, Jesus, right? He had his revelation. No one else had that revelation with him. It was only him. In Judaism is a revelation that's in front of 600,000 men between the age of 20 and 60. You multiply the women. You multiply the children. You multiply the, the seniors. You multiply the Egyptians that joined them. You're talking about over 3 million people standing that all heard the same words, Anochi Hashem Elokech, I am Hashem your God. There's a question. There's no faith. There's no leap of faith. It's knowledge. We all heard it, which is why one of the most important parts of Torah is believing that the Torah is from Sinai because if we don't believe in that fundamental principle the rest of the Torah doesn't fit in we have to believe in that revelation because if there isn't that revelation then where does the Torah come from okay we can get into that but I want to share with you I told you my personal thing so Hanukkah for me is a is a uh, a very special holiday on a personal level because when I was seven months old I was hospitalized in critical condition I had uh, meningitis, and it was not the type that you just take a medication and you go home. It was, you know, my parents said that all the beds next to me, right, in the hospital, this one was blind, and this one became deaf, and this one became, uh, you know, or, or many of them didn't survive. And thank God it was the first night of Hanukkah that I came home. I was in the hospital for 10 days. And it was like a miracle of Hanukkah that 
I was able to come home. So for me, it's a, it's like we always celebrated the first night of Hanukkah as my birthday, so to speak, my second birthday that I had um, because of this this uh, miracle. So it gives me an extra opportunity to thank Hashem. Now I want to share with you one more idea. There's so much to talk about, and there's no time. We c- I can talk for 24 hours now. So, so I want to share with you one more idea. You know, many times we have additions to our prayer, and if you remember to say it, great. If you don't remember to say it, it's fine. All right? It's not that it's fine. It's just you don't go back and repeat the whole prayer. Right? Many times, most of the times, you have to repeat the whole prayer. But by Hanukkah, we add a special part to the, to the prayer, both our grace after meals to the benching and to the Amidah. We add a special part, right? we add a special, special few uh, verses we add to our Amidah. And if you forget it, you don't go back. Why don't you go back? By Rosh Chodesh, the first day of the month, if you forget to say Yalav Yavu on the Amidah, you say, but forget to say that extra passage, those extra passages, you repeat the whole Amidah again. You say it all over again. Hanukkah, you don't repeat it. Because what we say in those passages for Hanukkah is we're saying thank you. If you forget to say thank you, you don't deserve a second chance. Thank you, you don't forget. And this connects to what we spoke about last week. We spoke about appreciation and giving proper gratitude. You don't forget to say thank you. And if you forget, there's no second chance. Right? When we were saved, and it's amazing, we look at, the, at, the, at that prayer, we say, Giborim biyad halashim. The mighty, right, were taken by the weak. Right? Rabim biyad me'atim. The many, the Greeks had many soldiers. How many did we have? Very few. Just 13. It says that they shot an arrow and 22,000 Greeks died. Right? It, was, it, it was like unbelievable miracles. If we stop and don't say thank you, if we pray and we don't say thank you, we don't say it over again. Right? We better remember to say our thank yous. Right? Hashem should bless us that this Hanukkah should be a festival of light like we've never had before. That it should be so holy and awesome. It should be so uplifting. It should be so revealing to us the responsibility that we have and the, the, and the, uh, the uh, blessing that we have to be a light unto the nations. The nations are looking to us for guidance. The nations are looking to us for leadership. The nations are looking to us to pave the way. If you look at all of the laws that are in almost every single country in the world, they're all based on the Torah. They'll bring Deuteronomy and they'll bring Exodus in their code of law because the Torah is the main uh, foundation for all of, 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 of our world and the way it operates. So we should take pride in it. We light that menorah, put some extra oil in there. We want to show it to the world. We're not going to be shy. We're not going to hide from it. We're only going to bring more light to the world. Amen. Have a terrific Hanukkah, everyone.